0: I'm so delighted that you are joining with us today. This is an exciting time. I'm super excited about uh, sharing this message with you today. So you're going to want to share this with your family and friends. Uh, So if you're watching by way of Facebook, uh, push that share button uh, on your Facebook page. Also share the link to the website. Uh, Let me just talk to you a little bit about the context of the next three weeks. Uh, We're launching and over the course of the next three weeks, What I'm calling our Be Rich Outreach effort. And inside of that, we're inviting people to come together across all of our differences, affirm the unity that we have in Jesus Christ, and really express the transformative love of God in some very concrete ways, uh, both across the bay and across the world. So I want you to lean in uh, during this message. Uh, In the last five or ten minutes of this message, I'm going to talk to you about. Uh, how are we going to roll this uh, the, the hour, Be Rich uh, to Others outreach? How are we going to roll it over the course of the next three weeks? Uh, so that's the real uh, title for the next three weeks, the title of this series, Be Rich to Others. But today, I'm going to start to unpack uh, this particular teaching around what I want to call uh, an election surprise. And I want you to lean in, and we're going to talk about the what and the how of that this week, and then I'm going to unpack that inside this series over the course of the next couple of weeks. So let us pray. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise for uh, this day, and we ask that you will move supernaturally in the lives of those who are listening, and in my life also. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Uh, The scripture that we're going to be focused on uh, for the very first uh, over the course of the next three weeks, it's really uh, found in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 7, verse 14. Let me just give you a little context for this uh, passage. Uh, this uh, passage occurs on a glorious day of national celebration. Uh, Solomon has built this beautiful temple that has been dedicated to the Lord inside of this temple complex. And... Uh, in chapter six, he, he started to pray a prayer of dedication and asked God to confirm that God would be with the people of Israel. God answers, uh, that prayer and we, we kind of catch it in, in the middle of the answer. But essentially what God says to Solomon and to the people says, listen, this temple represents my presence among the people. But despite the celebration that you guys are experiencing today, uh, uh, I can look down the line of time and I can see that there will come a moment in your history when uh, you're going to ignore the teaching of the law that I have given you and the values that are contained therein. And uh, you're going to pursue idol gods made of stone and gold, which really represents uh, your lust for power and wealth and your own self-centeredness. You're going to abandon taking care of the widow. You're going to ignore the foreigner uh, in your midst. All the things that I taught in the law. And in that moment, you might just look around and discover that I have shut up the heavens and that there's no rain coming. And you might find locusts eating away at your crops all across the land. And because it's an agricultural economy, uh, the economy will potentially be collapsing. and, And you will... Since disease all over the place. So in the midst of that, if you decide to look up and look towards this temple and say, hey God, maybe you're trying to get my attention, that would be a good thing. Can somebody type in the chat? Hey, can you type in the chat? Uh, God, you got my attention. And so uh, it's in the middle of that that we hear this text uh, coming forth. God declares, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. If you're watching here from America, uh, I suspect you can agree that our land here in America needs to be healed. And uh, really, as we think about this text, if my people who are called by my name, uh, what God is really saying is that when when the world is turned upside down in the nation of Israel, from his perspective, it's not the secular people that are at fault. He sees it as a my people problem. Can somebody shout my people? And so if we look at this text and think about it from the perspective of America, I think what God is saying to us today, when we consider that we have Jesus followers, uh, these are the people who are called by God's name here in America. You know, the word Christian means a Christ follower, a Jesus follower. And, and the fact is, we have Jesus followers, not by the thousands, but by millions in every sector of American life. Jesus followers are in the corporate world, in the educational world, in the governmental context. Jesus followers live in gated communities and in poverty-stricken communities. We have Jesus followers everywhere. And what God is saying is that when I look at America, at America I see a my people problem, that the challenge in America and even the challenge of the world is, in fact, a my people problem. Here's, here's, here's what I mean. Listen, uh, we're, this is the first weekend after our national election. We now have a new president-elect that is surrounded by unprecedented chaos and controversy. We have a Senate and a House of Representatives that really hasn't changed that much in terms of gridlock. We have the the racial thin uh, uh, election results that have come across the country that doesn't just remind us of how divided we are as a nation, but rather uh, it really deepens the divide. And the division runs from the White House to the State House to your family members' homes all across this country. And worse, the division is, exists within the church itself. We are significantly divided. And so what God is saying to you and what he's saying to me is that as the people of God goes, that's how the country is going to go. And so if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, uh, then God could heal the land right here. So I want to thank you for participating uh, a few days ago in the national election. Thank you for voting for whoever it is that you voted for. But I want to shift your attention from the national election to a different kind of election. Now, let me just back into talking about this different kind of election uh, by reminding you that the nation of Israel, uh, that as it relates to the nation of Israel, that that, uh, God chose the nation of Israel to be a blessing to the world. Notice I put the word elected here. And this is because the underpinning of this word chosen, as most theologians will talk about, is this notion of Israel being God's elect, that God elected Israel. We find this notion of God uh, electing Israel in Genesis chapter 12, where the first person that God elects is Abraham. And here's what he says to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. So slow this down, Abraham, I'm electing you and out of you will come a great nation. You remember how that goes. Abraham's son name is Isaac. Isaac's son name is Jacob. Jacob's name is changed to Israel. Out of him comes 12 tribes that becomes the nation of Israel. I'm going to make you a great nation. And then I'm electing that nation and I'm going to bless you and all the people's on the earth. Notice the word peoples. Everybody shout peoples. All of the nations on the earth will be blessed through you. This is what he says to Abraham. So first I'm electing you, Abraham, and through you I'm electing this nation called Israel uh, to be a, a display of my transformative love in the world. Now listen, I think it was somewhere around the early 1500s during the opening days of the, of the um, Protestant Reformation, when the Protestants broke away from the Catholic Church, that uh, the kind of misunderstanding of this notion of election uh, kind of dripped into the culture. matter of fact, during those days, people were trying to figure out theologically how is it possible to have in a single household one child to be born and raised, and she or he turns out to be an angel. And the other child, born and raised in the same household with the same parents, and he or she turns out to be a devil. What is this? And some people begin to speculate that God had elected, had chosen, had predestined some folk uh, to be uh, destined for heaven and others not. And I just want to point out that inside of that thinking was this notion that God had elected some people to be winners and some people to be losers. Can I just point out that in the kingdom of God, there are no such things as winners and losers. We are all winners in the kingdom of God. And biblically speaking, when we think about what does the word election mean, uh, here's what it means biblically speaking. It means some people are selected first with the responsibility to share with all people, or to say it again, some people are selected first with the responsibility of becoming the conduit of God's blessings for all people. And so uh, uh, this notion is really reflected in Isaiah uh, uh, chapter 49. And when, listen to what God says Uh, to the prophet in Isaiah. He says, I will make you a light to the Gentiles. He's talking to the Jewish nation. And you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. So you see, first Abraham is elected. Israel, the nation, is elected. And through Israel, the nation, this notion of the light uh, to the Gentiles, the light of salvation shining. So the the, the disciples who were with Jesus uh, during the three years of his ministry uh, understood that that work of election was passed from the nation of Israel to Jesus Himself. This is why Matthew opens up his gospel with these words in chapter one. This is the record of the ancestor of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. And he goes on and he begins to lay out the forty-two generations moving from Abraham to Isaac, from Isaac to Jacob, whose name is changed to Israel. At verse sixteen. 42 generations later, we see a different Jacob who shows up and he says he was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. And it is this Jesus who is elected to display the redemptive love of God in the world. For three and a half years, he ministers, and then ultimately he dies on the cross for all of us, and he's raised from the dead. And here's, what, here's, 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 here's what the good news that makes me excited. Uh, the, the disciples that had watched him be crucified, they were behind locked doors, afraid of the future, feeling anxious about those who were in power. I suspect they were somewhat like some of you who feel like, you know, some people felt like they lost uh, with this recent election. Some people feel like you've won. And there may be some people at least behind the locked doors of your, of your heart feeling like, I'm a f- I don't know what's going to happen with whoever ends up in power. But Jesus shows up into that room and he says ultimately, <laughs> you know, when he shows up in room in verse 21, here's what he says. He says, peace be with you. In other words, he says, chill out. Just type that in the text, chill out. In other words, he said, breathe easy, be at peace. Why? Because you watched the folk kill me, but through my resurrection, I've killed death. And I've got the first and last word over life. And so don't worry about, come on, some of you, what happens with the national election. Come on, there's another election that I want you to think about. And here is what he says, as the father has sent me, I'm sending you. As the Father has elected me to display the work of his transformational love in the world, his redemptive love in the world, I'm now electing you to do the work of displaying his redemptive love in the world. Somebody ought to shout, praise God, I'm elected. Here is the surprise. This is the election surprise that God has elected you. Now, the early believers really figured this out. This is why we read in Colossians chapter. Uh, That's why we read in Colossians chapter three. The 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 of Colossians says this about the believing community. Therefore, as the elect of God. Holy and beloved, come on! If somebody's in the room with you, can you just tell them that if you know Jesus, He's elected you? Can you just can you just type in the chat that 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 that, that God has elected me? That's what the writer is saying to the believing community that follow Jesus. You are now the elect of God, holy and beloved. So therefore, put on tender mercies and kindness and humility and meekness and long suffering. Somebody shout, "I've been elected." I've been elected. That is the election surprise. Well, listen, I want you to look at this verse in the NIV version. When you think about the fact, can you just say I've been elected? What have you been elected to do in this time of division and controversy and name calling? uh, here's, Here's what you've been elected to do. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Uh, What have you been elected to do in this time of racial division and class division? Uh, Here's a, make allowances for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. In this time of, 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 white state I mean red states against blue states well, what has Jesus elected you to do here's what he's elected you to do above all clothe yourself with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony you and you have been elected i have been elected we are elected to do the work of love and depolarization In this country, God has called his people to do this work. Can somebody just write in the chat? I'm a part of God's elect. God has elected me. So you don't have to feel powerless. I have to feel like you're isolated all by yourself. So here comes the question So, how? How do I do this work as a Jesus follower? Well, Uh, Back in John 21 at verse 22, uh, here's what what Jesus says to those disciples. Look Look what he says. The text says that after he told them, I'm sending you as the Father has sent me, it then says, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The work that we are called to do, we cannot do in our own strength. So I just want you to just say out loud with me, can you just say, God, breathe on me? Come on, can you just say, God, breathe on me? God, fill me with your heart. God, fill me with your love. God, fill me with your power. God, fill me with your perspective. We can't do what Jesus is calling us to do in this world without his power. Come on, somebody shout, God, fill me. Then next question too. How might I then practically move in this new power? This is where the roadmap comes back to 2 Chronicles 7, 14. And I'm only going to just make one verse here, one point here. And uh, we're going to close this message out for this weekend. And uh, you got to come back next week so I can keep, uh, so we can figure out what the next steps are. But listen to what the, the writer says and listen to what God says to us. If my people who are called by my name, will humble, shout humble, come on, type in the chat, humble, humble themselves. Do you know what it means for a Jesus follower in this current climate to be humble? It means that you realize that you don't have the full story. And because you don't have the full story as it relates to people that you're fighting against and disagreeing with, come on, you need to practice. Uh, the, the humble act of listening, listening. Can somebody shout, listening, listening, with a heart open to learn. Listening with a heart open to learn. Come on, tell the person in the room, I don't have the full, I don't have the full story. You know, back in Boston, this talk that I'm doing about Jesus' followers being able to, to help transform the culture and bring people together. I'm talking about it out of experience. For, for 12 years in Boston, I led an organization that I helped to build called the Greater Boston Interfaith Organization. And as I led that uh, organization, we brought people together across race and ethnicity and even faith to do significant work on behalf of those who were marginalized. I'm mindful of a story right now that I'm thinking about how in the Jewish community in Newton, Massachusetts, Uh, We had some organizing meeting in those synagogues asking them about the pain that lied at the center of their lives. And they told story after story about the pain that came from uh, them trying to make uh, challenging choices around elder care, caring for their aging parents. And many of them had to end up putting their aging parents into senior citizen homes. And they shared how uh, from time to time they'd have these run-in with these uh, certified nursing assistants, most of whom, many of whom were Haitian Americans. And they just thought that these, these assistants, these, these, uh, these certified nursing assistants, CNAs, just didn't care, just, just, just could care less about them. Around the same time, we were having some organizing meetings in Roxbury, and it happened to be in a couple of congregations, Pentecostal congregations, uh, made up of, uh, of Haitian believers. And as we started asking them to tell some of the stories of their pain, they shared how many of them worked in nursing homes all over Boston. Listen, can you say, I don't have the full story? All over the Boston, that they, what motivated them to to move into the nursing home business was because in Haiti, caring for the elderly uh, is a sacred act. And so they went to work. And then they started talking about how they were being mistreated and and humiliated and dehumanized and forced to work uh, 14, 15, 16-hour shifts and called out of their name, both by the people who were in charge of the nursing home and also by some of the relatives of the folk that they were caring to and how it impacted their passion to care for those. Because we had leaders in both of these meetings, we realized this is... Here's two sides to the same story. Tell somebody, I don't have the full story. So guess what we did? We brought them together in one meeting, and they started exchanging stories, the Jewish uh, uh, family members and the Haitian uh, 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 certified nursing uh, work assistants, and they started sharing the story, and suddenly their eyes came open about how the other person influenced the opposite person's story. And then we decided, well, let's do something about it. And so we mobilized people, um, you know, <laughs> white Episcopalians and, and African-American Presbyterians and, and, and Haitian Pentecostal and Jewish folk and put by 500 people in a church in Roxbury. And we reached out to the Attorney General. We said to the Attorney General, you have power to change the situation with these nursing home workers. Come to our meeting and commit to doing it. He was running for governor at the time, Mr. Tom Riley is his name, and he said, I'll show up, but I'm not gonna make that commitment because those nursing home workers, they're funding my campaign. Well, would you know that he he actually showed up, walked into a church like this, place is packed. We had sung songs and prayed prayers, and then we paraded story after story after story in front of him of these Haitian workers sharing their stories of humiliation. And being disrespected and of these Jewish relatives standing up in solidarity with these Haitian workers because their stories had been transformed. And then Mr. Tom Riley got up to, to, to give his little speech to tell us what he wasn't going to do. But then as he looked out in that audience, you could see tears roll up in his eyes. And he forgot about his speech. And he said, listen, my mother was an Irish immigrant when she came a generation go to boston he says and i remember the story of her being rejected from job after job after job he said i remember how she had to had to had to clean floors and clean bathrooms and make up other people's bed and and how she was invisible and she would share those stories with me and he said that's the reason why i got involved in politics and he said, as I was listening to your stories, these Haitian immigrants, I heard the story of my mother in your story. So I'm going to do exactly what you want me to do. And I'm going to I'm, I'm going to he, he gave a directive and ultimately changed how nursing home workers worked all across Boston. Why? Because he found his story in their story. Why? Because Haitian workers thought they had the full story, but when they met up with the, with the relatives of these Jewish clients, they found that there was more to the story that they knew, and vice versa. Listen, Jesus followers, at the end of the day, you cannot allow Fox News and CNN to, to, to shape your perception about people that they don't know. Listen, Jesus follower, the reason why Cuban Americans <laughs> voted for uh, Trump in Florida and Mexican Americans voted for Mr. Biden in Arizona is because there's a story behind all of that. There's a, there's a, there's a story behind why in Hingham, Massachusetts, if you drive down the neighborhoods, you see signs that says Blue Lives Matter. And, and if you drive across Palo Alto, California, you'll see signs that say Black Lives Matter. There are stories behind those. So don't allow commentators, come on now, to tell you, uh, uh, what you who you should love and who you should hate about people you don't know. You've got to follow Jesus' lead and get to listen, be humble enough to discover other people, stories. Here's the way I like to say it. Don't let the ultimate symbol of your life be the elephant of the Republican or or the donkey of the Democrat. Oh, no. Listen to John as he declares, behold, the Lamb of God. He's talking about Jesus who comes to take away the sins of the world. Your ultimate symbol should not be the elephant or the donkey, should not be the red or the blue. Your ultimate symbol should be the symbol of the Lamb. Notice this is purple, guys. Come on now. Red and blue make purple. At the end of the day, those of us who are Jesus followers, we are all in this together. We're all in this together. So the first step, Let me just give you your homework coming out of this. I want to challenge you. The first step to positioning ourselves so that God can use his people to heal the land is that we're humble enough to turn off the TV and and to reach out to that family member or that colleague who we work with who thinks differently than we do politically and ask them, can I hear your story? Tell them that my pastor said that behind every political position, behind every political passion, there's a story and there's either pain or fear or need that's shaping their their story. So what I want to do is for the next 45 minutes, I want to hear your story. And I want to I hear the what, that's your story. And then I want to hear the, 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 is there pain or is there fear? And then I want to ask you the question, why is there pain? Why is there fear? And it's going to be a non-jud- non-judgment zone. I'm not going to debate with you. I'm going to recognize that as you're sharing. You may be sharing out of your trauma. I'm just going to listen with a heart open to learn. And then afterwards you ask them, can I set up a follow-up appointment with you? Or do you have time for me to share my story? Not for debate, not a positive debate, but will you just listen with a heart open to learn? That's your homework. Just think of some folk and you're going to go have those conversations and I'm going to see you back here next week because God's word declares that if his people who are called by his name would humble ourselves he could begin to do some work to heal the land. Somebody say amen. Praise be to God. All right. Let me just say a word about as we transition, while we're beginning to figure out how to do this work together as Jesus follows being salt and light in the world, there's some work that we can do together right now as it relates to our Be Rich uh, outreach that I'm challenging and we're going to pool our resources and we're going to help people who are in need. Watch this video. We believe that education is a key part of the solution. Our learning and career centers have an individualized approach. We aim to equip people to obtain living wage jobs and permanent housing. We identify what the the skills and the passions are for each student, then place them into vocational training programs. Students grow into leaders of not just their households, but also of their communities. In the Learning and Career Center, we truly care about the whole person. We are City Team. Before I came to City Team, I was jumping around from shelter to shelter. I had no stability. I found out I was pregnant. I was lost and emotionally disturbed, very confused. Here at City Team, the emotional support that I've gotten is beyond anything else I could have ever imagined. City Team has given my daughter a chance and it's given me a new life. I'm just excited. Like, this is just the beginning for me and my daughter. The resources here at City Team are such a gift from strollers to wipes, clothes for the infant, I have so much joy in my heart knowing that Jasmine never has to see me in poverty. Our lives have been restored and we have hope. We are City Team. So at City Team, we believe it's really, really important to take food really where people live and learn. With the help of volunteers and community partners, we're able to really extend our reach far beyond these walls. We are literally serving thousands and thousands of families on a monthly basis. We bring fresh produce, vegetables, dairy products, healthy snacks, and and also proteins. We also offer clothing and household items. Relationships are absolutely crucial. What I love about the work we do is as we go into these communities, we really get to serve and see the same people. We get to know their names and get to know what's going on in their lives. We go the extra mile and meet people where they are at. We are City Team. We're also incredibly thankful for the individual donors, churches, and corporate partners who have joined our team and made our work possible. They exemplify the hands and feet of Christ. All together, we are the building blocks to a better tomorrow. We are a community for our community. We can't turn a blind eye to problems. We all deserve a chance to succeed. We are all equal. We are all responsible for community restoration. We are City Team. You know, Jesus says that the Son of Man did not come into the world to be served, but to serve. We're going to follow Jesus' lead as we claim our unity. And City Team, which you've just witnessed, is one of seven incredible organizations that we're going to partner with over the next several weeks to be a tremendous blessing to the people, to the tens of thousands of people that they're serving. And so that's what we're calling our Be Rich to Others Outreach. We're going to serve through prayer, love, and giving. First, let me talk to you quickly about prayer. If there ever was a time that we needed to be praying, if my people would pray, it's now. So I want to challenge each and every one of you to make a commitment that you're going to pray five minutes a day. That's on the, on the minimum side. Some of you might decide, I'm going to pray 10 minutes three times a day. I'm going to pray 30 minutes a day or more. I want you to make that commitment. The first week, starting today, we're going to be praying for our nation. Next week, we're going to be praying for practical needs, meaning the homeless and those who are struggling to find jobs, et cetera. And the third week, we're going to be praying together for those who are dealing with uh, mental wellness and other challenges in their home and family. So I want you to make a commitment to pray. Secondly, I want you to make a commitment to give. And uh, listen, I got to show you this real quick. This is called a hygiene kit. And uh, uh, our goal is to put together and mobilize 2,000 of these hygiene kits uh, and give them to two of the programs uh, that we are partnering with who are serving thousands and thousands of homeless people. This is my family, Kit. And, and uh, in here is, is toothpaste and a hoodie and lotion and deodorant and all the things that the, that the programs told us that they need. So we want you uh, to do this, and we want you to do this work as uh, if, you're, if you're an individual, then decide, you know, I'm going to do one of these and maybe you can do more of these. And we also, if you're a family, if you've got parents and kids, we want you to put these together as a family project and pray about how many can you do? Is it just one or can you do more than one? And then lastly, we want to challenge, oh, one more thing as it relates to this. Uh, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask those of you who are in the Bay Area to drop these kits off. Uh, on Saturday, December the 5th, at our, at our San Jose campus. And guess what? I and all of our staff are going to be there to collect and to say hello and to wave at you uh, and, uh, because we haven't seen you in the midst of this COVID season. And then on December the 6th, we're all going to be at our Ridwood City campus, and so you can drive through and drop off your packages there. If you don't live in the local Bay Area, just go to our website, and we, we've put... Uh, 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 the, we've created a little deal on our website so you can figure out is there a homeless program near you that you can do these kits and drop them off and if not, are there other opportunities for you to be serving during this weekend uh, that I'm talking about the first weekend of December uh, provided you, uh, you know, pay attention to public health laws around uh, COVID-19 and make sure that you'll be safe so everybody, everybody shout love this is how we're going to love and then lastly, give uh, um, we want to challenge everybody uh, in terms of giving thirty nine ninety five. dollars 95 and uh, here's the deal uh, some of you because you're unemployed this is too much for you to give it might be that you're just going to give $5 or $10 as you make an investment of generosity in this effort and that's going to be awesome for others among you watching me you can do way more than this and uh, so you ought to pray about it and ask God what is he laying on your heart that you can contribute To this give effort and here's what we're going to do every dime that we raise we're going to give it away to our seven organization partners Uh, next slide so we've got four schools two local schools and a school in nigeria and a school in guatemala who are serving under-resourced people and they're doing an incredible job Uh, among our partners are the city team and we hope which you just saw a little bit of of the programmatic work that they do and then we're going to be also thinking about disaster relief, and we're going to partner with Simone, Sonoma County Churches uh, United Relief and make sure those people have lost uh, homes and property due to the fires uh, up here in the North Bay, that we can be very helpful to them. And so here's our goals. Let's just summarize it right here. Here's our goals that we have. We want to mobilize 65,000 minutes of prayer. We want to, we want to, we want to mobilize 2,000 hygiene kits and we want to raise at least $75,000, and we're going to give every dime of it away to these seven organizations. So uh, go to our website. All of the details are there on our website. And let me just ask you now, challenge you. Uh, if you uh, popping up on your screen right now is a connection card. And uh, if you're in Facebook, on the website, or if you're in our app, you can just go. We're showing you how to get to our connection card right here. And I want you to just push your way straight down to the response to the message. And here's how I want you to respond to the message. Uh, I want you to check yes. Listen, by checking yes below, I commit to be rich to others by praying and loving and giving. And we have the specifics there. And if you just check yes. Now some of you you watch us every weekend and you never do this, but I want you to do this because we want to we we become what we commit and we want to we want to begin to to take account of the folk who are part of our community all over the world, who are participating in this effort. Also, I want to point out that there's also what we call next steps. For somebody, I've made a case for why you ought to be following Jesus today. And there's some other steps here. You ought to think about checking one of those. And then, of course, I have a reflection question here. The reflection question flows out of the message. Here it is. Who will you talk to about their story? Take a picture of this reflection question And uh, so lastly, let me just uh, encourage you, don't forget to share this message, and uh, if you want some face-to-face time with me in just a few seconds, jump into our virtual social hall. Uh, If you're new to our community, if you've been with us for a while, just jump in. There's a registration that you can fill, and just go ahead and fill that out. And uh, listen, don't forget, here's the last thing I want you to remember. Let's start praying today for our nation and let's begin to put together our hygiene camp uh, packages. And I'll see you next week to pick up pick up where I left off. God bless.